0: Child! Yeah.
1: you or for the church, but I believe it is, and I'm willing to risk it because I believe that it is. A hurricane just hit Florida, and I think a lot of us probably know that, and we've seen pictures, and I saw a house. It was planted on firm rock on a cliff, but the, the ocean was right there, and it's just pounding. And we knew, whoever owned that house knew a hurricane was coming, and they were planted on a firm foundation but they did nothing to prepare their household for the storm that was brewing. And I just hear the Lord saying, there is a storm he said, he told us, the enemy was coming for us. The enemy was gonna try to distract us. He was gonna attack us. And I told you, it's in the word I told you, and you're not prepared. You have a firm foundation, but you are not closing your windows. You're not boarding up your house. You're not protecting your family you're going through a storm right now and you're confident I have that foundation I have the Lord I love him are you prepared for the storm that's hitting you are you in your word to get the truth are you fasting when there is a trouble that you don't know what to do the enemy is here he doesn't want you to make it to heaven he's gonna try to distract us because he doesn't want us to share the word of Jesus so other people make it to heaven Are we doing what we need to do to protect ourselves from the enemy? Yes, we have that foundation. Praise God. But what are you doing to protect your family in the storm? What are you doing to protect yourself, to guard yourself, to guard your eyes, to shield yourself from what the enemy is doing outside? want to be prepared. I want to be prepared because God says to be prepared. We are running a race. We are not walking. We're not jogging. We're running a race. And if you want to win the prize, which is our Heavenly Father in eternity, run it in such a way that you're going to win. Run it in a way where when you get to heaven, you're going to be proud. Lord, I did all I could. I did my very best. And He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So when you have nothing else left, we're going to sing this chorus again. When you have nothing else and you say, God, I see the enemy coming. I know he's there. I don't know what to do. Just praise him because God moves when we praise. So when you have nothing else to offer, offer your praise. He'll meet you there.
2: Search the world.
1: just go around and greet someone you don't know this morning and kids you are dismissed.
3: Good morning. <clears throat> it's good to have you today. Wow, my voice is toast. <clears throat> come on in. Grab a seat. I know they're dismissing the kids. We'll take up tithing offerings. So if you have something to give, you can prep that. Well, come on in, everybody. <clears throat> I don't, I don't. I don't have it today.
0: <clears throat>
3: good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> amen. Amen. Come on in. Grab a seat. <clears throat> it's good to have you. As you can tell, my voice is toast. Like, like I woke up this morning, I was like. Ugh. You know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> I apologize for that. I'm going to do my best today. Uh, it was a little too late to have somebody fill in for me, which I would have done. But I'm going to give it the old college try, and we're going to make it. Amen? Amen? If you have uh, something to give, tithe an offering. Uh, fill it out uh, with the envelopes and the chairs in front of you. Or wave your hand around. One of our ushers will help you out. They do a phenomenal job. But it's good to have you. Let's have uh, Bill. If you would come down and pray over tithe and offering for me, I'd appreciate that. Everybody say hi, Bill. Hi. And when Bill is done praying, you can bring it down to the to the baskets down here, if you would. Bill, bring it down if you have it this morning. A couple of announcements real quick. I'm going to make it, I promise. Church-wide prayer tomorrow. Uh, Please be here for prayer from 6 to 7. Bonfires. This coming Saturday is coming quick. Sign up at the back. The ladies are going to meet here at 5 p.m., starts at 6 o'clock, See so if the questions about that, see Samara, okay? And other than that, if you're new with us today, <clears throat> and the chair in front of you should be, I'm going to crack like I'm going through puberty again in seventh grade, so <clears throat> that's okay. That's all right. It's just going back in time for me. Anyways, if you're new with us, fill out one of these guest cards for us and give it to Kelly after church. And she has something for you, but we're glad you're with us today. So thanks for coming again. I apologize for my voice, but <clears throat> we're going to get through today. So John chapter 8, if you've got your Bibles. Uh, by the way, in the back, we have a collection of cups and things that have been left here. Uh, they're backed by uh, the microwave in the kitchen. <clears throat> they're about to be purged. So if you're missing a cup, go get it. Or it will no longer exist after today, okay? So pick those up today. <clears throat> John chapter 8. today. Uh, I believe that each one of us can have a personal encounter with Jesus. How many believe that? That God is very personal to us. I, I believe you can encounter him personally. I believe we can encounter him as a whole, as a corporate group. Um, and, and that happens today in the activity of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but what I wanted to do is I want to take the next few weeks, assuming I have a voice next Sunday. Um, to go through the Gospels and mark different times and talk about different times that people had personal encounters with Jesus. And what happened? What did it mean? What was the result of those encounters? Um, God, again, he's so personal to us. And if we are aware of him, if we pay attention to him, if, if we desire it, I believe he will meet us. And I believe if you allow him to, he will absolutely, positively change your life. Do you believe that? We were singing that song, and we're purposeful in the songs that we sing. The first song was a song called My Jesus. And and the, the tag of that song is, let my Jesus change your life. I believe that. And I believe in encounters with Jesus through the activity of the Holy Spirit that Jesus can absolutely, positively change your life. And I think as we walk with him, it's not just a one-time change. But I believe we can continually encounter him in a life with him. That he will change you in a process of life with him to become what he intends you to be. Do you know God has an intention for you? See, he meets you somewhere. And however, you meet Jesus, he meets you somewhere, but then, then he takes you somewhere. He's got a place for you to go. It's, it's not just this idea of being heaven bound, which we are, but in this life, in this world today, God has intention to take you somewhere. you believe that? And sometimes this happens because we have encounters with him in such a way that we are left marked and changed for his purpose. Amen. All right, so John chapter 8. Is my voice working for you? Are we going to make it? Okay, good. John chapter 8 and verse number 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. So here comes scribes and the Pharisees. And they brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, <clears throat> go, go to real quick. Put your finger up. Go to Leviticus chapter 20. We're actually gonna read this in the law. Leviticus chapter 20. And uh, verse number 10. Leviticus 20, verse number 10. It says, if a man commits adultery, with the wife as his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. And and it echoes that again in Deuteronomy 22. (laughs) So literally in the law, if a Jew was caught in adultery by the law of Moses, they had the right to condemn them to death. And the preferable way to do this is to stone them. So this woman was caught in adultery. And the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, took her to Jesus. Now, where's the man at? Notice they only brought the woman. Where's the guy at? Notice the law says both the man and the woman. This again shows sort of the patriarchal uh, male-dominated society at the time. That though there were two in sin, we're only going to condemn the woman. That's a whole other story. But they brought the woman to Jesus, and, and they're, they're, they're trying to trap Jesus. They, w- they want to make a point with Jesus. So notice they said, so what do you say? So, so in the crowd of people, they're calling out Jesus. In verse 6, and they said this to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. In other words, they're against Jesus. They're trying to expose Jesus. Jesus. So they're trying to trap him by either saying, well, no, don't stone her. Then they can say, well, you don't uphold the law of Moses. But on the flip side of it, because he's so much teaching mercy and grace, they're going to say, well, he goes against what he teaches. They're trying to trap him. So Jesus, as he often does, he rarely answers your questions straight on. Rarely. Rarely does he ever give a direct answer. A lot of times, more often than not, he responds with a question. But not this time. Notice what Jesus does. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. There's a lot of speculation what he wrote. It doesn't say here. But they continued to ask him, and he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. This, This woman is having a direct encounter with Jesus. And Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, not one, Lord. And, and no, notice she calls him Lord there. She is having a revelation of who he is. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So was the woman in sin? Yes. Yes. Was she caught in her sin? Yes. And by the law of Moses, did they have the right to stone her? Yes. But Jesus, as he often does, begins to shape things and change things in such a way to show the nature of who he is. See, he goes from condemning to actually forgiving. He goes from the opportunity to take life, to give life. Jesus is not just trying to fulfill the letter of the law, but he's after fulfilling the spirit of the law and what the law is after. See, the first thing I want you to know is this. Jesus has come not to condemn, but to save. Jesus has not come to condemn you, but Jesus has come... To save you. That's when an encounter with Jesus does. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in the process of of coming to Jesus, he had a right to condemn me in my sin. Isn't that right? See, notice, and I, I think you guys know this, but when he said, anybody here without sin... You can be the one to throw the first stone. Who was there without sin? Jesus. And Jesus had the right then to condemn her in her sin, judge her in her sin, and uphold the law of Moses and kill her in her sin because the wages of sin is death. As a matter of fact, Jesus, being the sinless one, had the right to condemn everybody else in their sin too because nobody there was perfect. He could have condemned them all. But Jesus has not come to condemn you. Jesus has come to save you. So even the very first time when I, when I actually gave my life to Jesus and asked for the forgiveness of my sins, he just said, yep, you're right, you're a sinner. And yep, you're condemned in your sin. Therefore, I don't have to offer you forgiveness, but I will give you the wage of your sin, which is death. He could have did that. But he did not come to condemn us, and and condemnation, to be condemned is that the penalty of whatever is wronged, is fulfilled. Again, we know the wages of sin is death. But Jesus has come to give us life and not condemn us to death. John chapter three, verse number sixteen. If you'll go there, let's go back into the Gospel of John a little bit here. Everybody knows John. 3.16, but let's read what goes with it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now watch this, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because we're condemned in our sin. Because he who has not believed in the name of the one and only Son, in other words, the one who gives us life. And this is the judgment. Light has come into the world. But the people love the darkness rather than the light because the works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. See, the mercy of God cuts right through our sin to the individual person. That is an encounter with God. The mercy of God changes you if you allow it to. You see... Not only did that woman have an encounter with Jesus, but so did those who brought her to him. In a way of looking to trap him, Jesus turned the whole thing on his head and not only didn't condemn the woman, but highlighted the fact that those trying to condemn were actually in sin themselves. In other words, he held up this teaching. Let's go to Luke chapter number 6. And verse number 37. Luke chapter 6, verse number 37. Some teaching of Jesus here. And what he did with this woman, that they tried to embarrass her, put her out in front of everybody. Jesus then uses this moment to uphold something else that he said. Luke 6, 37 says this, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Now watch this. Most people, when they hear this passage in in Luke chapter 6, they think about giving money. But in the context of what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about forgiveness. Watch this. A good measure pressed down, shaken to death, or running over, poured into your lap. For at the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You see that? The context of a good measure pressed down, overflowing in your life, is in forgiveness. You see that? It's not directly talking about giving money. Now, how many of you ever heard that talk about giving money? The context is forgiveness don't judge people don't condemn people in their sin now that condemnation in other words you are aware that they are in sin just like this woman that they brought to Jesus she was caught she was busted Jesus was not only setting that woman free, but he's upholding something that he taught in a way that we should live. Don't sit around judging and condemning people. Because if that's what you do, that's the measure that comes to you. As a matter of fact, if you will simply learn how to forgive, and maybe the context here is judging somebody or condemning somebody because they sin towards you, How many of y'all have ever been wronged? You had a right to look and say, you have sinned. You have wronged me. But Jesus said the way to be is then forgive. Because that kind of forgiveness, pressed down, shaken, together, will pour out into your life because we are just like the ones that brought the woman to Jesus. We're not perfect either. See, an encounter with Jesus not only doesn't condemn you, but offers salvation, but then also teaches you a way to live when it comes to this whole forgiveness business. We're taught to be people who not excuse sin, but see sin, see it for what it is, but then the spirit of the law learn how to forgive with mercy. Because ultimately, Jesus desires mercy and not sacrifice. That's what the prophets started to say. Mercy and not sacrifice. So Jesus doesn't condemn you. I'm, I'm thankful. How many all are thankful I'm not condemned in my sin? My goodness, yeah. We would have no opportunity. There's no way out of it. We all stand in condemnation because of our sin. But I love what Jesus does then. He goes on to her and he says, go back to John chapter 8. So after everybody leaves, after after they're wise enough to know, I'm not sinless, I I really can't throw the first stone. John chapter 8, verse number 11. She's alone with him and she really gets an encounter with who Jesus is. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Here's the second thing I need you to understand. An encounter with Jesus is to be given the possibility of new life. You see that? He doesn't condemn us. He's come to save us, and salvation is always... The possibility of new life. Do You know, God is always putting new life in front of you. Do you know that? Always putting new life in front of you. He doesn't condemn us to hold us to our past. He offers a way forward in our lives, in everything. How many of you have ever been stuck in sin? Let me see. Who's been stuck in sin? <clears throat> He's always putting new life in front of you. He's not condemning you in that sin. He's not excusing it. Because notice he said, now go and leave your sin. He didn't excuse her sin. She literally was in sinful, adulterous relationship. She called out for it. But he didn't condemn her for it. He doesn't excuse it. But he says, now you realize there's life in front of you. You can leave that life of sin if you want to. You know that? You can leave... A life of sin, if you want to. And let me say that again. You can leave a life of sin if you want to, because Jesus opens that door for us. Always new life. An encounter with Jesus is about new life. Do you believe that? Perfect. That I, I am forgiven of my sin. Now, notice. When Jesus says, Hey, I don't condemn you, he absolves her of what the law said the penalty was a percentage. He absolved her of it. He not only just allowed her to be free from it as far as forgiven, but now he says, Now actually be truly free from it. Leave it. See, here's the thing. We often ask forgiveness for our sins that sometimes we have no intention of leaving. Isn't that right? We know we're in sin, and the guilt of our sin hits us, so we ask for forgiveness. But do you actually have the intention of leaving that sin? We don't know what happened with this woman. We have no idea. It doesn't say. Did she actually grab hold of the life that Jesus put in front of her? Did she not? Did she she get out of there and go, man, I escaped that one, and ended up with her lover, whatever he was, in that relationship the next day? See, the encounter with Jesus doesn't condemn you, but are you living? in the life of possibility that he puts in front of you. So I I hear people when we talk about this, they say, see, he called her sin out. See, he didn't let her go in her sin. See, Jesus isn't just about grace. See, and I agree. But you have to think about it this way. That was an offer of new life. That's what that was. It was an offer to leave For condemnation. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, you put yourself in to who he is. You live your life in him. And when we live in Jesus, the condemnation is removed, but, as Romans 6, 4 says, the possibility of living a new life. That's what the Christian life is all about. It's an encounter with Jesus where our sin is forgiven. It's not excused. But then new life is put in front of us. That's what Jesus desires. He's taking you somewhere. Right. He has intention for you. And and it's, it's not just about Man, I need to hang on until I get to heaven. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to survive. I'm going to make it. I'm going to just do this day by day. Yeah, yeah, sometimes we've got to live day by day. But it's not just making it to heaven. It's about new life in this world right now. That the kingdom life, the kingdom of God, is about living what Jesus said is the abundant life. Again, we think we hear abundant life, we think finances. Abundant life is freedom from sin. That's abundant life. Abundant life is not going back to what you have come out of. About, do you realize what Jesus puts in front of you is always better than what you come out of? What he puts in front of you is always better. Than, remember, when, remember when the Israelites got out of Egypt. Because God wasn't doing everything they wanted to do when they wanted him to do it. They said, man, we were better off back there as slaves. Don't be like that. You've been set free from a slavery of sin. Walk in the abundance that Jesus has in front of you. It is always better than what you came out of. Now, what does the devil want you to think? Oh, man, that's better. That satisfaction is better. I felt good during it. It's better. Why was that woman in an adulterous relationship with a man? Because she liked it. Let's be honest there was the desire, she was fulfilling something, but yet it was sin. But if she really took the moment and allowed herself to walk out of that sin, at some point, she would realize this freedom is much better than the satisfaction that I had. It can never compare to what Jesus gives you. You believe that? Because. Sin, sin, even as sugar-coated as it can be, is still eventually death to you. Most people are in sin because at the moment there's a gratification, it feels good, there's a desire, there's a temptation. We, we give in to it. All right? That, that's sin. It can never measure up to the life in Jesus Christ. An encounter with Jesus gives you the positive. Now, Listen the possibility of life, but are you going to walk in it? See, we don't know what happened with that woman. We don't know. It's not like later on in the story at the crucifixion or something, she's counted among those that are still following him. It doesn't say you have an opportunity to live that story. You know that? You have an opportunity because every single one of us here Every one of us here, Jesus has said to us, I don't condemn you. Now, go and leave your life of sin. Every one of us. What story are you living right now? Are you living in the fullness of the fulfillment of the life that Jesus has put in front of you? It's your story to write. Every single one of us, we have a different story. Different ways that Jesus has met us, different encounters, different ways that he showed up and said, I don't condemn you, but let's let's find freedom. What's your story saying? What's happening in your life? My desire through the ups and the downs, through the times you take three steps forward, sometimes one step back. My desire is that you're moving on. Sometimes you fall, get back up. Whatever it is, my desire is that you're allowing him to take you somewhere and new life that's in front of you is being lived. Amen? Amen? He offers you new life. That's an encounter with Jesus. <clears throat> This is one of the best stories we find in the Bible about the mercy of Jesus and who He is. I mean, you would think about, I guess if you're mine, you shouldn't do this, but if you were to rate sin, adultery would probably hit your top five, at least top seven, right? That's a big one. Breaking relationship, breaking trust, breaking covenants. I mean, it's all all sorts of stuff happening there. That's a pretty big sin. But even in this moment, Jesus gives life, gives life, puts life. Let's live in his life. Amen? Okay. We're going to close out today and we're going to partake of uh, communion together. So if Gentlemen, if you can grab the tables and and put them out, please. Now, now if you're here, you don't have to partake of communion. That's fine. We do it uh, consistently here at our church because we believe in what Jesus said to do this in remembrance of him. the life that Jesus offered is ultimately confirmed with what these tables represent. These tables are the table of the Lord, the tables of of sacrament. The tables of a broken body and and shed blood. It's the table of the sacrifice of Christ. Christ. Because Jesus did die he died for you he died for me he died for reconciliation he died for forgiveness he died for us all so in a moment I encourage you to come freely to freely receive what this table represents forgiveness that we partake together and we remember that Christ has died for us. And we proclaim that death until he comes again. See, the kingdom of God that Jesus was inaugurating with with his teaching and and the things that he did, it led to a cross And, and a broken body and shed blood was the final statement of the possibility of new life. You know that? See, the resurrection of Jesus confirms it. <clears throat> Remember, when Jesus came out of the tomb on that first Easter Sunday, it confirmed the new life that we're offered and that he's always putting in front of us. New creation was on the ground in this lost and messed-up world. So I am thankful for what Jesus did. the The, the big, the big moment of humanity is right here. Because when Jesus told that woman, "I don't condemn you, but go and leave your life of sin," Knowing that this was going to happen is why he could say what he did. For our forgiveness is found right here. Amen? So as much as we take this, it's never to turn cliche for us. Oh, it's just something we do when we go to church kind of thing. But we do this in remembrance because Without uh, this work of Jesus, we can't stand in the forgiveness of God. Amen. And when he says, leave your life of sin, ultimately, that's not possible. You believe that? This means everything. So so if, if you'd like to partake today, if you want to, we ask that you come out to the middle aisles, grab it and come around the sides if you would. So so come this morning and we'll partake together. I would would stand up, please. Lord, we thank you for your body that was crucified on the cross for our sins. We thank you, Jesus, for taking our place. For the wage of sin, that is death. That you set that woman free, but then you paid the penalty. You died on that cross. Lord, thank you for that sacrifice. Lord, thank you for willingly taking our place in order to defeat death and to to defeat sin and to offer us new life. So, Lord, this morning we partake of, of the bread together in remembrance of your death the sacrifice of your body on that cross to partake of the bread together. And Lord, in the cup, it represents your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we stand in so much thankfulness, an overflowing of thankfulness, that you've washed us clean. All the things, Lord, that, that have been counted sin against us, you've, you've cleaned the record. You pressed the reset button. And we live within your forgiveness. So we are not condemned in our sin, but can live in new life. We partake of the cup today in remembrance of your shed blood. Partake together. Oh, my Jesus. Sing that song. Yeah. Let's just worship for a moment before we leave today, okay? Overflowing thankfulness for what he has done for us. Oh, Jesus.
2: Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Because James are all is stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way. grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. The good news is I know that he can do for
3: not condemned us, but you have set us free. Lord, help each one of us. Help each one of us. We need you. Help us to live life as you intended to be. Help us. We will follow you. We will do what you ask. But we give ourselves to you once again today. Help us, Lord. We love you so much. We thank you so much. Lord, we do this because of you, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, again, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me about my voice. We'll we'll get there again next week. All right. Love somebody on the way out. Thanks for coming. Wednesday at 7, Sunday, 10 a.m. next week. We'll see you there.